are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. When Moses died, and God spake of him, God simply said, Moses, my servant is dead. Moses, my servant. That's all he said. He did not say, the great Moses who crossed the Red Sea on dry ground is dead. Nor did he say, the great Moses who prayed and, uh, and to God and God gave him the tablets of stone is dead. Nor did he say, the great Moses who struck the rock with his rod, the rock in Horeb with his rod, and there came gushing forth enough water to feed two or three million Jews for forty years is dead. <laughs> no, he just said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now listen to me. That's the greatest title you can give to anybody. Moses, my servant. He didn't say, Moses, my great leader, is dead. He didn't say, Moses, the great general, is dead. He didn't say, Moses, the great theologian, is dead. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Are you too cold? Anybody too cold? All right. Um, uh, what's it on, brother? Sir? All right, put it on 50 and 50. Right through here, they're a little bit cool. And, uh, but uh, he, uh, he did not say, Moses, the great um, prophet, is dead. Though all of those things were true. But God chose to choose the, God chose the word and chose to use the word. That was the greatest word of all. Moses, my servant, is dead. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never in your life have a greater title attached to your name than that title. They may call you someday <laughs> Reverend so and so, but that's a, that's a, a subservient title to the title of servant. They may someday call you doctor so-and-so, but, but that's not near as high as the title of servant. When God wanted to attach to his faithful man the highest title known to mankind, he simply said, Moses, my servant, is dead. When God spoke to Satan about Job in Job chapter 1 and verse 8, when he said, as thou considered Job, God was t- telling Satan that the best Christian on the face of the earth was, uh, was Job. And so God asked the devil, said, Hast thou considered my servant Job, uh, my servant? See, Job was the greatest Christian on the face of the earth at that time, and God wanted to choose for him the top title. And God said, are you listening? God said, Moses, I'm sorry, Hast thou considered my servant Job? He did not say, Hast thou considered my great Christian Job? No. He did not say, Hast thou considered my great leader Job? No, he did not say, as thou considered my great uh, giant in the faith, Job, though all those things would certainly have been, been descriptive of Job. But God chose this, this great title. He said, hast thou considered my servant Job? When God spake of the great revival in Nineveh under the preaching of Jonah in Second Kings chapter 14 and verse 25, God said about the revival, when God spoke, now he spake, by his servant Jonah. He spake by his servant Jonah. Now follow me. 
He didn't say he spake by the great leading evangelist of his day, though that was true. He didn't say he spake by Dr. Jonah, though I think that could certainly have been true. He didn't say he spake by the, uh, the eloquent Jonah, though no doubt that could have been true. He said that he spake by his servant Jonah. When God wanted to speak in superlatives about somebody and give them the title that is the greatest title known to mankind, God used the title servant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Hast thou considered my servant Job? He spake by his servant Jonah. When God uh, uh, began the great revelation, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, he said, uh, unto his servant John. Uh, John was the one who leaned on Jesus' breast. John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. John was in the inner circle, Peter, <laughs> James, and John. John wrote uh, five of the books of the New Testament. But God didn't say, <laughs> to my author, John, to my pastor, John, to my doctor, John. No, he said, to my, to my <laughs> servant, unto his servant, John. Why? Because when God speaks of uh, his servant, John, or when God speaks of, uh, of the great men like uh, Job, or Jonah, or Moses, he wants to reserve for them the top title of all. King Jonah? No. King Moses? No. President Moses? No. Uh, Dr. Moses? No. The great title is the title of servant. When God uh, spoke about Abraham and of his life, he remembered Abraham and he said, uh, it says of God, God remembered Abraham his servant. Psalm 105, verse 42. <laughs> Abraham his servant. Now, he could have said Abraham the father of the faithful, but he said servant. He could have said Abraham the fellow who left his own land and looked for a land which had foundations, whose builder and ruler is God. No, he said servant. Why? Because Abraham deserved the greatest title known to mankind. When God relived Mount Carmel, when Elijah prayed down fire from heaven and, uh, and uh, proved that, he, that Jehovah was the true God, when God relived that experience, he says, he spake by his servant Elijah. Didn't say he spake by the mighty evangelist Elijah. Didn't say he spake by the mighty powerful preacher Elijah. Didn't say he spake by the great uh, noble Elijah. It said he spake by his servant Elijah. When God boasted of the prophet Isaiah, he said three words, My servant Isaiah. My servant Isaiah. When God addressed Zerubbabel, in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 23, when Zerubbabel was rebuilding the temple, God simply said, O Zerubbabel, my servant. When Paul wrote Romans in the first chapter and the first verse, he started off saying, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, if that had been you, and you'd just gotten a doctor's degree, you'd have had Dr. Paul written up there at the top. And, uh, and uh, our Paul, uh, D.D., and uh, the THD and L-I-T-T-D, I've always wanted that one that's F-R-G-S. I'm not sure what it is, but it looks like frogs to me, and I've always thought that'd be a wonderful thing to have on the, the, the back of your name. No, he said, Paul, a doctor? Nope, he could have said that. Paul, a church builder? Nope, he could have said that. Paul, a great pastor? Nope, but he could have said that. What did he say? He simply said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And then in Philippians, he said, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ. And in Titus, he starts it off by saying, Paul, a servant of God. 
When God chose helpers for preachers, uh, we call them deacons. <laughs> Folks don't know this generally, but the term deacon is the word for servant in the Bible. And actually, if we translated that word into English, it'd be called a board of servants. It, the word deacon is like the word baptism, and the word angel. Uh, angel is a Greek word, and it should have been messenger. Uh, baptism is a Greek word. In English, it would be immersion. Uh, deacon is a Greek word. In English, it would be servant. So really, what we ought to say, we'll have a board of servants meetings. God wanted his deacons to be servants. Now notice this. God wanted his preachers to be servants. God wanted his prophets to be servants. God wanted his, uh, his, his kings to be servants. God wanted the deacons to be servants. When our Lord sat in the upper room, in the last time he met with his beloved disciples, um, suddenly it's time to leave the room now. And soon he'll go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there he'll pray as great drops of perspiration as they were blood will drop from his brow. And soon he'll feel, feel the betrayal kiss of Judas Iscariot. And soon the angry soldiers will come and take him away to the high priest. And soon he'll go to Pilate and then to Herod and then back to Pilate. His back can almost feel now the scourging of the cat of nine tails. And his hands can almost feel now the, uh, the, the nails. And, and his feet can almost feel the nails and spikes that will pierce them. He can almost feel now the, the crown of thorns on his brow. But in the upper room, what will our Lord do as he says goodbye to his own? What will our Lord do as he meets with his own for the last time? He takes a towel and he girds himself and fills a basin with water and bows down and begins to wash the disciples' feet. I'm saying that there is a great opening. Help wanted, help wanted, uh, if anybody's willing to be a servant. But you don't want to be the servant. You want to be the big shot. Uh, you want to you want to be the boss man. No, God says our preachers are supposed to be servants. And God says deacons are supposed to be servants. And God says prophets are supposed to be servants. You see, when man thinks of greatness, he thinks of being served. When God thinks of greatness, he thinks of serving. When man thinks of greatness, he thinks of having many servants. And when God thinks of greatness, he thinks of serving many people. When man thinks of greatness, he thinks of giving orders. When God thinks of greatness, he thinks of obeying orders. When man thinks of greatness, he thinks of commanding. When God thinks of greatness, he thinks of obeying. When man thinks of greatness, he thinks of having much. When God thinks of greatness, he thinks of giving much. When man thinks of greatness, he thinks of having great possessions. When God thinks of greatness, he thinks of giving and, and dispersing uh, great possessions. I'm saying that the average Christian, the average preacher, the average deacon doesn't have the foggiest idea of what it's all about. The great title is the title of servant. Uh, Matthew 23, 11 says, He that is the greatest among you, let him be your servant. I like this. Somebody has said life is like tennis. He who serves well seldom loses. And I like that. Now, um, in uh, the text we read a while ago, the Lord is saying, don't call anybody rabbi. That word rabbi means teacher. And God said, don't call anybody rabbi. It's a sin for anybody to say, I go to a certain, certain synagogue and Mr. So-and-so is my rabbi. That's a sin. That's wrong. That's against the Bible. 
It's wrong to greet somebody on the street and say, Good morning, Rabbi. That's wrong. The Bible says plainly in the verses we read a while ago. <coughs> here it is, right here. It says, Be ye not called Rabbi. Now, how much plainer could that be? Oh, you say you're criticizing the Jew, our Jewish friends. Nope, not criticizing anybody. I'm just telling you what God said. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. He wrote it. I'm just reading what he said. He said, Be ye not called Rabbi. That's against the Bible. Oh, you say, you tell what you are, you're a bigot. No, I'm a Bible believer. That's what I am. And the Lord says, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, so, but <laughs> then the Lord said in verse 9, Call no man your father upon the earth. <laughs> For one is your father, which is in heaven. So if I see the fella who, who passes the church across the street, and tomorrow on the street, I'll say, Hi, Mr. So-and-so, how are you doing? But I won't call him father. Oh, you say you hate Catholics. No, I love the Bible, is what I do. And the Bible says, Call no man your father upon the earth. You say, I don't like that. You haven't got to like it. you just got to lump it while I'm preaching. That's all you got to do. Bible says, Call no man your father. So I'm not going to call him my father. And I'm not going to call a fellow who lives over in the Vatican City. I'm going to call him a papa either, because that's unscriptural to call him Pope. Word Pope means, if I see him, I won't say good morning, Pope. I'll say good morning, fella. Uh, <laughs> I wish you'd put some britches on, but uh, <laughs> good morning, fella. Oh, you say you criticize the Pope. Nope, I'm just criticizing the title Pope. Nobody has a right to be called Papa, but our Heavenly Papa. Nobody has a right to be called Father, but our Heavenly Father. Nobody has a right to be called Rabbi. It's against the Bible. And uh, so take it up with God. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad and quit the church. Get mad and quit God. He's the one who wrote this. And uh, so take it up with God. <laughs> then he goes on to say, Neither be ye called masters. Ooh, for one... Is your master. That's why I'm not going to call anybody worshipful master. I'm not going to do it. I don't care what he belongs to, what title he has. I'm not going to call him worshipful master. I only have one master, and that's my heavenly master. Only have one father, and that's my heavenly father. Oh, you said now you're criticizing the Masonic Lodge. I'm not criticizing anybody. If you'd quit talking back to me so much, I'd get through this sermon a lot faster. But uh, you keep saying so much. But uh, no. I'm not criticizing anybody right now. I'm criticizing what God criticizes. And God in heaven inspired the Holy Spirit to say, Don't call anybody rabbi. Don't call anybody father. Don't call anybody master. It's in the book. And uh, Now, why did God do that? Why do it? Okay, I'll tell you why. God did not want us to call ourselves rabbi or teacher because if I call myself a teacher, then I'm saying I know this and you don't know it. And that's not the Christian spirit for me to say, I know this, and you don't know it. So God said, I can't let you call yourself a father. Because that means that that's to say, I am wise, and you're not. I am like your father. And God says, I can't let you be called leader. Because if I say that, I let you do that I, you'll say, I lead, and you follow. Or I cannot let you be called master. Because if you do that, I'll, I'll, you'll be saying, I'm over you. And you're under me. So, what did God say? God said, if you want the big title, it's not Pope, it's not Master, it's not Rabbi, it's not even, it's not Reverend. I, I, I never call myself Reverend. If I allow myself to call Reverend, then I'm saying I'm Reverend and you're not Reverend. And one place in the Bible the word is mentioned and it says Reverend is the Lord. So this one reverent one, and one father, and one pope, and one heavenly papa, 
and one great master and one great rabbi, and that's my Father in heaven. You say, oh, Brother Howes, that's against my religion. You better conform your religion to this book, what you better do, you see, and make it like the book. <laughs> now, I'm saying this. I, God said, so I want you to be called servant. <laughs> so that's why I let you call me Brother Hiles. Or if you want to call me preacher, that's okay. <laughs> or pastor. But if you want to really call me the greatest title of all, you call me servant. Ah, here's some job openings. Um, no educational requirements. <laughs> no experience necessary. No age limitation. No physical examination needed. No political clout required. No talent needed. The job of being the servant. And when you decide to be the servant, you're the greatest of all. Wanted a little lad to give his lunch basket. Wanted a widow to give her two mites. Wanted a lady to wash the hair of the Savior. Wanted a maid to, to, to uh, tell Elisha or tell Naaman about the prophet Elisha. Wanted a man to carry the cross up Calvary. Those are the great ones in the Bible. And if you would be great, then you would have to be the servant of all the Bible says. King George VI, in his coronation, coronation broadcast, said, The highest distinctions is the service. The highest of distinctions is the service of others. The average young preacher in this room, when he thinks about himself, he thinks about himself right where I am standing now. This is your goal. <laughs> I want to be a preacher. What you better say is, I want to be a servant. For I don't spend most of my time where I am now. You see me here, but I don't spend most of my time. You don't know when, about, about the poor kids I try to send to school. And you don't know, <laughs> talking to a young, a young lady, um, uh, telling a young lady that her mother committed suicide. You don't know about it when I'm uh, piecing a life back together that's been broken by sin and by Satan. You don't know about it when I'm meeting with a pregnant teenager who's unmarried and carrying a baby in her own body and her heart's broken. You don't know about that. Listen, if you want to copy Jack Hiles, I'd suggest you copy the Jack Hiles of your age. You go back to the uh, to the uh, uh, church out in the country and you come with me as I build a fire uh, in the wood stove for the service on Sunday morning. And as I put the fire out on Sunday night, if you want to copy Jack Hiles, don't you think about being behind a pulpit with several thousand folks out front. You go back where Hiles was when he was your age. You uh, you clean the building on Sunday. You get your hand down in the commode and clean the commode out with your hand so the people that come to church on Sunday will have clean toilets. Or you go out in the outhouse and clean out the outhouse. Now, that's a job for you. And... Uh, Clean out the outhouse and be sure it's uh, it's stocked with Sears Roebuck catalogs. And uh, and that that would be a good start for you. Oh, what you want, you want to stand up and say, Ah, I tell you, you're going to hell. You don't repent. That's only a little part of being a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The great part is that of being a servant. You want to copy Jack Hiles? Then fill the baptistry as I did in the early years of my ministry. I recall one Saturday afternoon. I was up here on this baptistry. Uh, but at Grange Hall Baptist Church on, on a highway outside Marshall, Texas, <laughs> typical little country church, a wooden church building in the parsonage right beside it. And I was cleaning the baptistry out so I could fit it for the next day. Though I say fit it, we had to call the fire department, and they got a fire truck and filled it with water <laughs> and came out and poured the um, 
the uh, water, cold water. We didn't have a heater for the baptistry. I didn't even know baptistries were supposed to have heaters. You think it's not cold when it's 20 degrees outside and, uh, and you, you baptize in cold water? The first people I baptized were two ladies. One weighed 235, one weighed 285 in cold water. Now, you talk about moving about, folks. We moved about. And the baptistry overflowed because I filled it up too high. And the poor choir got us baptized along with these two ladies. And uh, I was preaching not long ago. And the lady walked up to me and said, You know me? And I said, Sure, I know you. I'd know you anywhere. All 285 pounds of her I knew. It was the same lady I baptized years ago. But I was in the baptistry on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And they no doubt. And had a T-shirt on, a pair of khaki trousers, and a couple came by and wanted to get married. Now, I don't do stuff like that. But this couple had been divorced. They had their five children with them, and they wanted to get remarried. Same couple, get remarried. And here they are. Did you marry us? I said, who are these? These are our children, they said. And I said, what? Hold it, they said. We've been married before. We got a divorce. We want to get married again. And so I said, okay, boy, I want to do this. So come on up here. There I had my broom, uh, a mop in my hand there. Forgot to put it down. <laughs> Held a mop in my hand, standing in the baptistry up here, a T-shirt on, a pair of khaki trousers. Now you'd take this woman of a year with it, wife. And there I was holding the broom, uh, a mop, I mean, in my hand. Now you, you copy that Jack Hyam. Oh, you want to be Dr. So-and-so. No, you be servant so-and-so first. Oh, you want to pass the largest church in the state. You pass the smallest church in the state first. Oh, preacher said, well, one of our young men, he said to me, I recommend him to a church, graduate. And he came to me and said, I can't afford to go there. They, they can't pay me enough salary. I hope you never preach a sermon in your life and you get your wicked heart right with God. First full-time church I pastored, I made $20 a week. But you say, how'd you, how'd you make a living? I got a lawn, lawnmower. Young folks, are you listening to me? Hey, listen to me. I got a lawnmower. <laughs> Went up and down the streets of Marshall, Texas, knocking on doors, saying, uh, well, could I mow your yard? And I mowed yards until the church got big enough. I am saying, you're not fit to be a leader unless you're willing to be a follower. And you're not fit to be a great man of God unless you first have been a servant. I want you to know tonight that the greatest title in this world is not Pope, and it's not preacher, and it's not evangelist, and it's not pastor. The great title is the title of servant. And the great job is that job when a person says, I want to serve my people. I want to serve mankind. If you want them, <laughs> copy Jack Hiles. <laughs> then, uh, then you write letters longhand for the first five years of your ministry before you can afford a secretary. <laughs> you sit in the altar like I did, a uh, little old table, paid $5 for it at a used furniture store, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, sit there on Monday morning and write in longhand a letter to everybody that visited your church the Sunday before. And then you write the same, sit there and write in longhand and take a whole day doing it. <laughs> a letter to all the visitors that came and all the folks that joined and all the folks that got baptized the day before. You do that. And nowadays a young man starts to preach. He's got to have a secretary the first day and he's got to have a full time salary. Uh, may you have mosquitoes in your soup when you go home and eat a midnight snack tonight. And may God help you to realize that the greatest thing you'll ever do is not lead a great church and it's not be a great leader. The greatest thing you'll ever do is become a servant of mankind. That's what it's all about. I was uh, talking to Brother Dave. He called me last night, last Sunday night, late. And um, he said, Dad, 
had 941 in Sunday school today. Oh, he was excited. Good night. He had to come down to get to heaven. And uh, he was excited. <laughs> and uh, when Dave gets excited, he, he talks real fast. You can't understand a word he says. And uh, I thought he had gotten the baptism. And uh, so uh, he, uh, he is talking and jabbering. And I said, uh, I said, son, where is your office? He told me what building it was in. I didn't tell him this. I put the drywall up in that office. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know this, but there's one nail in each sheet. One nail in each sheet. I, he didn't know this, but uh, that's the building I built and forgot to put heat in it. <laughs> Dedication day, we found out we had no heat. I forgot to put any heat in the building. Uh, that's, the, that's the building Dave's office is in. <laughs> uh, he doesn't know this, but uh, I laid the tile. Uh, they, I, I, I thought it looked easy to me. I had some, uh, had some black paste here and some little square tile like that. <clears throat> so I just got some paste and spread it across the floor. I guess about a quarter of an inch uh, of it across the floor and uh, <laughs> looked real nice till I walked over it and then all the paste started coming up between the tile. And, uh, but I did all that. Uh, you say, what are you saying? I'm saying, uh, you have no right to be a leader till you serve your apprentice as a servant. And all of that. <laughs> you need to always be serving. Uh, always be a, a, a servant. <laughs> serving others. I, uh, Lord Shaftesbury it was. Um, you folks that know history know something about him. <laughs> he was one of the greatest men that England ever produced. <laughs> he was on his way to the Parliament until one night, a brilliant man, I mean brilliant man, Till one day he looked into, into the faces of the poor of the streets of London. And that night he tossed to and fro in his bed, trying to, feeling that he ought to work with the poor of the streets of London. And so he turned down Parliament and, and gave himself his entire life to the, to the poor. And do you know when, when he died, did you know all England turned out for his funeral service? And as they had the procession down the street, thousands and thousands and thousands followed his casket. Behind the casket, there was the hearse. There was one a sign. Uh, thousands were following that one sign. And the sign said, we were hungry and you fed us. And thousands followed under that sign. And then uh, after they came by, another sign. And that sign said, we were in prison and you came to us. And all the ex-convicts followed that sign as they followed the hearse of Lord Shaftesbury. <laughs> and then after that, another big sign. We were strangers and you took us in. And thousands came who've been taken in and helped by Lord Shaftesbury. And then behind that, another uh, sign. Uh, we, we, we were sick, and you visited us. And so uh, there came thousands like that. And I tell you, folks, you don't understand this. Most, <clears throat> most of my life is spent trying to serve people. And most of the lives of the men on this platform are spent trying to serve people. No place in God's work for big shots. No place for that. I hope none of you preacher boys will ever print a bunch of <laughs> brochures telling everybody around the country how wonderful you are. I don't have to do that. Everybody around the country knows how. Um, no need for that. I love to tell that story. Our people through the years have heard me tell it often. I love to tell it about that young man. <laughs> came to my office one uh, 
they, I was supposed to go to Atlanta, Georgia and preach there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, we were iced, uh, Atlanta was iced in. You couldn't land there because of an ice storm. <laughs> we turned around in the sky, came back and landed over field. The office staff, everybody thought I was going to Atlanta. <laughs> I went up to Howell's Publications on the second floor and walked inside the office. And, and there stood a young preacher. He looked at me. I'll never forget it. He looked at me and he pointed at me and he said, Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you're Dr. Hiles. He'd been told I was in Atlanta, and there I was in that office. And he said, oh, you're Dr. Hyam. And I said, I suspicion that before I walked in here. And he said, oh, 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 oh my, oh, oh, I feel like I'm talking to God. I said, man, come off of that. I'm just a hellfire brimstone preacher, sinner saved by grace. And I said, uh, where do you pastor? He said, down Illinois. I said, what town? He told me. I said, what's the population of the town? He said, 200. I said, how many did you have in Sunday school Sunday? He said, 700. And I said, oh, 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 I feel like I'm talking to God. And then he told me the story, how that he used to hate me. And uh, uh, But I was preaching down in Springfield, Missouri. At, he was a student in Baptist Bible College, and I was preaching. He said, I, I could, didn't like you at all. But he said, you're preaching at the Baptist Temple. At, it used to be Southside, I think it was. No, not Southside. Anyway, uh, New Testament Church. He said, you're preaching there. A great crowd one night, and I decided to go criticize you. And so I went to hear you criticize you. But he said, after you finished preaching, I decided, well, the fellow's pretty well known. <laughs> I, I'm collecting signatures. I'll take my Bible up and have him sign a Bible. And he said, I got back to you and handed you a Bible. And he said, I had a bunch of papers in the back of the Bible. You know how most of you do. Buy your filing cabinet. And uh, But <laughs> he said, all of a sudden, those papers fell. And he said, Dr. House, you bet, you, you bet just by reflex and picked up my garbage. And he said, while you were picking up my garbage, he said, I said to myself, that's Dr. Jack Hiles picking up my garbage. He said, my heart was knitted to yours. He said, from then, from that moment till now, you've been my favorite preacher all because you picked up my garbage one day. I wish you could have traveled for 22 years with me like I traveled with John Rice. I wish you could have seen that old man <coughs> crawl in the back seat of a two-door Volkswagen so some younger preacher could sit in the front. I wish you could have seen Dr. Rice if there was something. Uh, I recall one day uh, I was preaching and Dr. Rice was sitting over here. And uh, over here somewhere about the, over here, a little, little, little girl, she got sick in her stomach. And she didn't regurgitate, she vomited. And uh, everybody, everybody went, Whoo! Old Dr. Rice just got up and walked across the altar. I was preaching, and he got his handkerchief out, and he didn't mop it up. He just spread it a little bit, rearranged it. And uh, But uh, he stayed there until he got all that cleaned up, Dr. John R. Rice. Everybody else too good for that, but not Dr. Rice. I'm saying that the great thing that God needs is servants. I uh, Now I say this, and I'll not be lengthy tonight. But uh, just let me stay here <laughs> as long as I'm able to preach. And uh, let me be your preacher as long as I can stand behind the pulpit and bring, bring a message. And uh, let me serve you. Let me teach you what's right. And love you when you're wrong. Let me piece your life together as best I can. And then find the pieces when you didn't believe me. Let me be your dad if you're orphaned. Let me be your friend if you're friendless. 
Let me be your family if you're widowed. <coughs> Let me provide a place for you're blind, you're deaf, and you're retarded. Let me pray for you through the night when I feel you have a burden. Let me feed you when you're hungry. Let me counsel with you in my office when you need help. Let me clothe you when you're cold. (laughs) Let me find you some furniture if you don't have any furniture for your house. Let me cheer you when you're sad. Let me tell a few humorous things sometime if I can think of them when you come to church. (laughs) So maybe it will brighten the way a little bit. Somebody says, I don't believe in life and in church. You would if you were like some people here tonight. You would if you had to go home by yourself, unlock a door and your husband is dead and you're just 25 or 30 years of age. You're trying to rear three or four kids and you're trying to be a daddy and a mother and you can't make ends meet and you're afraid to go home. You go home tonight and open the, unlock the door and look under the beds and check the closet, as my sister used to do. She'd, she'd go in the house i got to be sure nobody's in here. <laughs> you open the closet door, and no man there. Look under the bed, no man there. Look around the house, no man. She'd say, oh, shut. <laughs> yeah. But you, uh, you live like that a while. <laughs> and uh, you ask your... You let the children come to you and ask you, say, Mommy, why can't I have a daddy? And uh, you come to church and some of these poor ladies just barely, just barely get here and uh, plop down the pew, <laughs> if I can, if I can say something a little humorous. Or maybe these idiots over here, I mean, these fellows over here in the bass section of the choir can uh, <laughs> be, be a, a little funny. Uh, you'd be amazed. What it, oh, yeah, you folks got plenty of money and <laughs> drive a nice car. Live in a good house, got carpet on the floor, got air conditioned the house, and hey, you don't have to come to church tonight. You can afford to go somewhere else. But there are dozens and dozens and dozens of folks in this room tonight. They can't afford to pay, make ends meet, and even pay the bills. And the only chance they've got to enjoy a little laughter is to come to the house of God. Don't deprive them of it. Don't deprive them of it. Just let me stay here as long as I can preach, as long as my old voice will hold out. Just let me stay here to cheer you a little bit when you're sad. Let me serve you by warning you (laughs) about sin. And let me rescue you when you didn't believe me. And let me put a coat on your back when you need one. And let me plead for the purity of your children and weep with you when we've failed. Let me plan with you your dreams. Then help you reconstruct them when the tempters broken and shattered them. Let me help you to find the will of God. Let me help you to find the right mate for your life. And then promise me something. When I can't preach anymore. When I'm unable to preach. <coughs> Let me clean the building. Let me dust the pulpit for the next preacher. Hire me as a custodian. 
put a vacuum cleaner in my hands and I dust them up. I just want to serve you to that, that's all. I have no desire for any power. God knows that's true. There's not one ounce of desire in my breast to have any power over anybody. None. I just want to do what I can to see your kids turn out right. I want to weep with you when they don't. <laughs> I don't like to be a boss. The hardest thing I do is scold people. <laughs> I've turned my face toward the wall in that study there thousands of times. and said, I wish I didn't have to do that. I don't like to do it. But if the day ever comes, and maybe <laughs> if I have a stroke, and if I can't make good sense with my voice, and my throat is paralyzed. If I still have physical strength, hire me to do something. I promise I won't cause any trouble. I promise I won't cause the next preacher any trouble. Just let me serve you in some capacity. I probably shouldn't say this, but that's one reason why I guess that I'd hope Brother Dave, God would let him, you know, someday stay here long enough to where you'd want to call him if I wore out. I sort of feel like maybe I could keep my same office and be pastor emeritus, you know, and wouldn't cause any trouble. Maybe I could go visit the sick and cheer them. I'll be 55 years old in a few days. I have no goals or ambitions for any power or authority. I've been everywhere I want to go. I mean that. <coughs> I don't have any desire to go anywhere else. Folks beg me to take a tour of the Holy Land. I don't want to go to the Holy Land. I've been there so many times. I know Dallas by heart, every street in Fort Worth. <coughs> I was 25 years old before I thought Jesus wasn't from Palestine, Texas. <coughs> I have no desire to go anywhere. I mean that. <laughs> Nowhere. Well, the Wallaby, he begged me to come to Germany for a couple of days. And next spring, I'll be going over a couple of days. I don't want to go. I just don't want to go. I'm going because of my friendship to him. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I have no, no desire to go anywhere. I'd rather walk, drive down Sibley Street than down the coast of Hawaii. I... Uh, <laughs> I have no desire for anything. Not a single thing you can get me that I want. Nothing. Nothing. There's a man in this church <laughs> bought a $30,000 Mercedes Benz for me. He said, I want you to have it. I said, no, sir. No, sir. Uh-uh. I said, there's a $40,000 one much better than this. <coughs> I don't want a Mercedes Benz. I don't want a Rolls Royce. I don't want a Cadillac. I don't nothing I want. There's no place I want to preach. I've 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 preached everywhere I want to preach. <laughs> oh, I remember that first time I uh, walked in the Tennessee Temple College Island Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, preached there. 
I remember the first time I walked in, the, I was in the largest church in the world, <coughs> Temple Baptist Church in Detroit, and preached there. And then there are coliseums all across the nation. Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> Citywide campaign. Citywide Bible conferences and coliseums all across America. Big crowds of thousands of people in football stadiums. I haven't got a desire to do that anymore. I don't mind doing it. I mean this. I just soon go to some little country church in Slippery Rock, Kentucky. Or Port Ancala, Tennessee. I just want to serve. I just want to, I haven't got any goals. <coughs> Nothing I want. No place I want to go. I just want to serve. I mean that. There's nothing so overrated as, as, as power. There's nothing so overrated. <laughs> There's no throne so hollow and empty as a ruler's throne. Now I'll tell you what's real. As I stood right here yesterday, or Friday night, <coughs> and saw those young people walk down the altar, I saw Loretta and Dave, David Nelms and Loretta. <laughs> I remember the day that <laughs> he fell in love with her and asked her to marry him within two hours, I imagine. I remember just, just a few, I guess within a week. <coughs> And he and I, remember when he and I went down here to the cousin's jewelers. And I said, give him a ring. <laughs> Pick it out. And I won't tell you all the story. But I remember that. I remember how many times those precious girls had been to my office. And the young people, as I saw them come. I'm not the one that reared them. I'm not the one that turned them out right. But I did get to help a little bit. I saw Connie and Bonnie. Their husbands. I remembered that afternoon I was going to go preach in Detroit, and uh, I, I, I was going to preach in the in the in the uh, what the big hall, Detroit Cobo Hall, in Detroit. Fifteen thousand people that night. I didn't want to go, but I promised I would. And on Sunday afternoon, I had to rush out the airport and call a big uh, wide-bodied jet. The other day I was on a jet, and and the stewardess said, thank you for flying to California. We fly more wide bodies to California than anybody else. <laughs> I called her back and I said, I don't talk to you. I don't appreciate that statement you made. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but I got on the plane and I was, I was lonesome because I don't like to be gone on a Sunday night or Sunday here. And, uh, so I, plane is just about to close the door and looked up and I saw, um, Connie and Bonnie and their husbands. And they walked on the plane and gave me a big, big basket of fruit. I didn't know what to do with it. I was gonna to go to gonna to go to Detroit. Ah, uh, but I enjoyed it. My heart was blessed. And uh maybe I feel like I had a little part. That's that's real, folks. That's real. I'll tell you what's real. <coughs> sit up here like I sit every Sunday night and pray for a few minutes for your preacher voice. And then try drive, <coughs> travel around the country 
and see your preacher boys pastoring churches and doing great works for God. That's real. That's real. For 22 years, I've been here. For 55 years, I've inhabited this planet. And I'm here to tell you something, folks. The only real, lasting fulfillment there is on this planet is being a servant. That's all. And so if I can just stay here, I don't want to leave. <laughs> I heard Brother Vineyard say the other day, <laughs> he's a nut, you know. <laughs> I heard him. He's preaching and he's throwing a fit as usual and calling everybody pinheads and other things I wouldn't say. And, <laughs> and oh, but how refreshing, really. Always something refreshing. Just a big old rugged guy that loves God with all his heart. And uh, he said, I tell my people, I'm not going to leave. I want to stay there. And then he said, I tell them, it's a whole lot easier for you to, move, you to move your membership than me to move my furniture. I don't feel that way. But I don't need to move my furniture. No. As long as there's a little widow lady that needs somebody to be a father image for her children, I can be happy. And as long as there's a teenager that's gone astray, It'll come to see me and ask me to help. I can be happy. As long as there's somebody that's sad all week long and can come to church, and maybe I can make them a little smile a few times, I'll be happy. Don't call me rabbi. Don't call me doctor. (laughs) Don't call me father. Don't call me reverend. Call me preacher if you want to. Or call me brother. But let me be your servant. A lot of folks tonight, you want to be the boss man, don't you? That's not the great job. The great job is that of serving. Serving. I like that scripture. Serve the Lord with gladness. Oh, I love to read that scripture. It says that uh, the servant is the greatest of all. He that is the greatest among you, let him be your servant. I love that scripture. He that seeketh his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake's sake shall find it. It's been 2,000 years since our Savior spoke those words, but it's still true. The way up is down. The way forward is backward. And the way to the top Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.